Meditation. 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 Depending on the quality of my mind. You know, there's good days and bad days. I mean, I feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice... I can't think of anything. This is Meditation in the City. The Shambhala New York Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City Podcast. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is Discovering the Power of Mindful Speech. In this episode, we will explore the six points of mindful speech. As speaking is essential to communication, the way in which we speak can make all the difference. These six guidelines can be a tool to illuminate our habits and invite us to fully engage body, speech, and mind in our conversations. The world desperately needs true, clear, and heartfelt exchange. Today we are joined by Shastri Elizabeth Reed. Shastri Reed is a senior teacher in the Shambhala Buddhist tradition. She started her path at the New York Shambhala Center, which was located right at the end of her street. With a background in theater and dance and an ongoing relationship with photography, she is endlessly intrigued by the interplay between meditation and the arts. She has a private practice in New York City as a nationally certified Alexander Technique teacher. Here is Shastri Reed to take away the discussion. It's possible to rec- recognize the, um, the power of speech connecting mind and body. It's a powerful um, tool. Speech can be a powerful tool for us if we are connecting mind and body. Um, in our Shambhala meditation, we do shamatha practice, which is we're cultivating mindfulness and awareness, and mostly that's done on the cushion. And we're practicing diligently or not. But when we leave and go into our everyday life, some of that flies right out the window. And we can lose our mindfulness quite easily. And I think working with mindfulness of speech, it's always with you to be worked with, <laughs> to be noticed. And um, it's, uh, it's very good for something to do in our everyday lives, a practice to do all day long, if we, should, if we so desire. Um, So I will read the six points of mindful speech. Um, the first, first I'll just I'll read the categories and then we'll look, look into them each. The first is speak slowly. Enunciate clearly. Be concise. Listen to yourself. Listen to others. Use silence as a part of speech. And that's the six. Speak slowly, enunciate clearly, be concise, especially the listening. Listening to yourself. Listen to others. 
use silence as a part of speech. So, slowing down, this city needs to slow down. I think the speech, from my point of view, is so fast. Often I have to ask someone to repeat themselves. So that's just a matter of clear communication. But the other part of slowing down is you may find the possibility of relishing the words you're saying, relishing what we say. It's um, we could begin to understand that we could um, say capture the essence of a word by the way in which we say it. Capture the essence by the way in which we say it. And um, there's power in it. There's power in it when we actually do it properly. And many words have a natural um, onomatopoeia, which is the word has, it embodies a sound. So if you can say that word properly, you are fully embodying that word. Fully embodying that word. And um, there's a quote by one of our teachers that says, realization, basically it's saying realization is the presence, not the word. What people really, I mean, it has to be both, but it's not just the words. It's the presence surrounding the words. Number two is enunciate clearly. And something about this one. In, um, in our Buddhist tradition, we speak about masculine and feminine uh, energies, um, masculine and feminine principle. And it's said that the, um, the feminine principle is the vowels, and the masculine principle is the consonants. And so I like that um, pairing and that they need to be equalized. You know, are we overdoing the consonants or vice versa? But are we skipping some things or are we overdoing others? Just by paying attention to how we're speaking with our vowels and consonants. So it's bringing, learning to bring some balance if we notice something one way or the other. Um, number three is be concise. And I think that is to simplify our speech. We don't need to say all that much. And often, I have a friend of mine that we meet every year for dinner. And um, 
she comes in, she sits down, and she starts talking and telling me her whole, you know, everything has happened. And it's like, okay, 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 okay. And at the end, it's like, okay, you know. And she's out of breath. But it's it's overwhelming another person. I mean, that's kind of on the on the outre um, side. But it, it it's easy to overwhelm someone. We want to say it all, but it's very hard to hear like that. It's very hard to hear that. Be concise. We don't need to say everything. In fact, as teachers, we're told, don't say everything. Let there be room for some understanding. Let there be room for, um, for some wisdom to arise. You don't have to provide it all. There's another person there. Now we're to listen to yourself. Um, this is a very powerful action. And actually, it's mindfulness of mind. Speech and mind are very close. So if we can be mindful of our speech, that's mindfulness of mind. It's, it's a very, um, it's more on the, um, more on the awareness level. It's a, it's a bigger awareness. And it can be very revealing for, for better or for worse. I remember um, one time when I was doing this, really listening to myself, and I thought, I sound like a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> you know? It's sort of like to have, to understand what you're, your own rhythms are. What is a habit? You know, what is a habit with speech? And um, so this is a wonderful thing to do. And it's, um, it says something about our self-awareness altogether. Our awareness of our own speech. Something about our self-awareness altogether. And number five is listen to others. And I know in, in the Shambhala tradition, we, for, for the last several years, we've instituted dyads, and where the, um, the command, you could say, there's a listener and a speaker, but the listen, listens with body and mind, with body and mind listening to that person, really opening up and, and letting that person in. Um, it's also a way to notice someone's hesitation or someone's shyness, to really see where that person's coming from, just by the way they speak, possibly. And that is very, very um, good for us because then we know how to communicate to that person. Maybe we know how to answer something in a way that would land properly on that person. It's very um, interesting 
that when we truly listen, we know how to say something to someone. And when we don't, it's bad news. <laughs> I, I had a... Um, um, not too long ago, I had to give some feedback to uh, a person in a work situation. And I was very... I held back, but then I approached the person. I was, I was emotional, not too emotional, but I expressed... I got it off my chest, so to speak. I just said, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and this is someone I've been very friendly with. And anyway, the backlash of that is that person is not speaking to me. And I've never had that happen to me. And I thought, I did not follow the rules <laughs> because I actually know that person has a certain vulnerability and, and touchiness. And, but I was so wanting to say, this is wrong, you know? And uh, therefore, I, I don't know how this is going to go. I mean, maybe I will lose a friend, and that's horrible. You know, it's just, I'm doing my best to see what I might do to repair it. You know, but it's, you, you can really cause a lot of damage, <laughs> you know, just by saying the wrong thing in the wrong way, or the right thing in the wrong way. <laughs> you know, it, it's, that's right. <laughs> And I think, has anyone um, studied nonviolent communication? That's, yeah, that, that's a very, very good uh, model to have as well. Um, and this takes us to number six, using silence as a part of speech. And if you think about music, music has rests. It's never just blah, 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 blah. And this can be silence around words. You know, where, where maybe you're, you're giving a talk and, and there's the ending that is the fruition. And you don't just want to say blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's not the ending, you know? It, it's sort of knowing when to... space around something, to actually have it heard. You want to have it heard. And also, allowing space for others. You know, um, to say what they have to say. And then, um, when we have heard something from others, we can then let it land and consider it. Let it land and consider it. What, you know, what was the impact of that? And that also helps us understand how to respond, if we're going to do that, or um, how to be very, I think part of this is 
how do you speak very genuinely? You know, what do you really want to say? So you often we have to stop and consider. And the quick response is not always good. In fact, it's usually not good. You know? So to be brave enough to allow that space, hmm, you know? What is that? And then <coughs> respond with our hearts. Let it come from our hearts.